Welcome back to the Men at Work podcast. We're on episode three in season three, and today I've got Jamie Woolrab on the podcast. He is a friend of mine. Uh, I would call him a mentor. He's been my coach at times, and he's just a really beautiful human being. Of course, all my guests are. Jamie uh, spent about two decades coaching really high-level actors in Hollywood on voice in particular. And he's had some huge successes in that area. But in the past while, what he's done is he's taken all this extensive voice training and transferred it into the realms of leadership, uh, personal development, and men's work. And he's got such a depth of knowledge around voice that the, this hour-long podcast hardly does it justice. But we got into some really, really nice and I think valuable topics for you just around the link between voice and leadership um, and how, how voice can help unlock things. It certainly has for me, not just as a podcaster, but in my life. We talked about uh, how voice tends to show up for men. We talked about the future of men's work and really making it about embodiment and how voice is such a key piece of that. And then we went down a couple of rabbit holes around the art of teaching and uh, demystifying this whole topic of embodiment. So I know you really enjoyed today's episode. It'll give you a lot to think about as far as how your own voice may be impacting uh, your life and some really nice uh, discussions about some other great topics as well. So without further ado, let's jump into episode three with Jamie Woolrab. You and I met in the realm of call it men's work. And, you know, I discovered what after like maybe a year of meeting you that your your real, your raw talent lies in the world of voice, which is um, for me was like, a, and I'd, I'd heard of that as an idea and I'd, I'd had a... Um, Worked for a previous company where there was some there were some vocal teachers, but no one with no one with the pedigree of of yourself. So oh yeah, uh, <laughs> flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> so what is what is your um, what is your love story with with voice? How did mm. you get into that, man? Wow, that's a great question. It's interesting. I've been asked that a lot, and. The answer sometimes keeps changing because the, 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 the point of coming back to, um, I believe that there was, there was points where it actually affected me as a child. And then there were the moments when as an adult where I was like, oh no, no, this is what I want to do. The, the superficial answer is I'm trained as an actor and I did undergraduate training. I did, uh, went to a really beautiful, um, uh, graduate school at Rutgers and there was so much heady work around being an actor, you know, the character and, uh, the details therein, And, and I, I couldn't, you know, pat my head and rub my tummy at the same time. I, I was so in my head and I was, I was really struggling as an actor, but yet I had this uh, we would all, it was conservatory. So we would go from acting class to movement class, to voice class, to speech class. And every time I was in voice and movement, but especially voice, it all came together. So I could do a lot of work as a character 
but when I opened up my voice, which makes sense because it's the chakras, right? There, it moves from the seventh to the first chakra in reverse, that everything just came flowing through me. And then all of the sort of the shards of the, the technique just started to feel seamless. And I had huge emotional uh, releases and breakthroughs through voice. It was, it was actually very healing. And there was this wonderful teacher named Nancy Manns, who I'm still very close with to this day, who's, who's an, an angel in my life, and Stuart Pierce, uh, who's another friend, an amazing voice teacher. And they took me under their wings. And for some reason, I mean, I love acting teachers and I have some great acting teachers that, um, that I, I highly recommend and that have changed my life. But my, my real connection, my real affinity was with these, with these voice teachers. And I have found myself when I was in the theater, when I was going to plays, I mean, I always loved movies growing up, but when I was in the theater and I could feel the vibration of, of a very well-trained and talented actor, actress, moving that emotion through their body and I would find myself having a catharsis. And, but their vibration would actually physically affect me. I could feel their presence. I could feel the sound moving through their being and touching and moving a thousand or a hundred. Uh, and that was a spiritual experience for me. And not from just singing, and I mean, I've always loved music, but from speech that could hold the audience in the palm of their hands. And when that, that, that during those few years at school, when I was, I was training with these teachers, and then I was like, why can't I do that in my real life? Hmm. And as I would, you know, go on dates or um, job interviews and things, and I went, if I'm coming from that confidence, that sound, that openness, the more sound and vibration that I can reveal, the more I'm in myself. And so that's been this, you know, this odyssey now for 20, over 25 years of this work of, it ties it all together for me. Voice from that, that, that breakthrough that I had with my first year of graduate school, the true kind of spiritual, energetic, emotional, physical breakthrough has painted everything I've done since. That's what got me into men's work. It's what got me into therapy. It's what got me into, if I'm in my voice, I'm in my feelings and I'm in my power. If I'm up in my head, it's a, it's a telltale sign. I'm, I'm disconnected from myself. It is, it, is the, it is the canary in the gold mine for me. Not gold mine. The coal mine. Uh, coal mine. It's a canary in the coal mine for me. <laughs> and I'm dyslexic. I hope you that, that I go, I, if I'm not in my voice, I'm somehow disconnected from myself. And it's the, it's the, the fastest way to reconnect to my heart. So wait, there's a ton in there, man. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, no, it's great. You asked so, me. Well, we're going to, I mean, we're going to have to, we'll, we'll define some terms later, um, like chakras and, and stuff like that. But you mentioned how voice became the gateway to men's work. And, mm. and um, I want to, I want to understand that a little deeper and, 
and talk a bit about that. Obviously, this is the Men at Work podcast. Um, but just to just to give, because it's a very unique angle to come from. Most people are not coming into men's work from voice, <laughs> but, uh, which is why I wanted to have you on the show so you can talk more about this. But so, so how did that happen for you? Because my words weren't matching my actions. Say more about that. Um, I'm just going to have one drink tonight. 10 drinks later. So the, th- the words that I was saying and the things that I were do- was doing weren't aligning and weren't adding up. And that dissonance, that lack of integrity of talking a lot of shit, talking the talk, but not walking the walk. So my voice is like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be on time. I'll see you there. My word is my bond, right? All of a sudden, I'm late. I'm not showing up on time. I'm so the voice opened me up to be connected to my feelings and to mean what I say. And men's work would help, helped me say what I mean. So men's work helped me go, I am going to do what I say and do that over and over and over and over again. And that created confidence, self-esteem, trustability, integrity. People started to be able to depend on me, trust me. I started to trust myself. But when I would say one thing and do another, that's hypocrisy. Hmm. So having my voice work, I was this amazing you know, voice teacher and, and opening people but then my life wasn't adding, it just, it felt like it, it wasn't, the, my life didn't match the level of the work I put out in the world. And it caused me a lot of pain. So when you talk about your, your voice being an access point to feeling or you, and, and your words not matching your actions, there, that's a pretty common, mm pretty common thing in the personal development world, right? I, I don't know where this saying came from. It might be a landmark or Werner Earhart thing where it's like language creates reality. Yeah. L- but language though, language, at least the way I understand it from you is different than voice. Correct. Because I can say the words. There's can... a Venn diagram. They're not different. They're, they cross each other, but they're not they're, they don't eclipse each other. They, there's, they, they, there's, a, there's a crossing point, but they are different. And there are parts where they, they blend. So what is it about voice over language that, that really matters when it comes to accessing emotion and, and, and being in integrity, as you say, mm-hmm. where your words are matching your action? Well, do you, I'm sure you know this, obviously. It's such a smart, beautiful coach as yourself how much of communication is actually the words? Very little. 10%, right? Nine or 10% are the actual words that you say. What's the rest of it? The, the transmission or the delivery of that. Gesture, intonation, vibration, inflection, uh, alignment. You know, there's all these things that are the iceberg under the water as opposed to the words that are the 10% of the icebergs that are above the water. You know, there's, 
you know, amazing actors out there and they've all done the same speech, but with the one person that can say it in a way that just rings true. So the language is the, are the words. That's nice. That's, that's beautiful. But you know, it's, this is, this is a really interesting story. You, you should say that. Um, oh, this is so, this is kind of exciting. And this is a shout out to John Wineland. I did a play in 2014 called Gruesome Playground Injuries. And there was a line in the play. And I would, I looked at the woman who is this love of my life. And I said, the line was, I can take care of you, Lainey, is the, is the line. So we did the play in 2014. And in the summer, I did it back in Colorado. And then I had a big, after the play closed, I, I kind of went through a real hard time. And then I, I found John Wineland and I found the men's work. And I found the director and the, and the, and the other actress after I was starting to work with John Wineland. And I said, we should remount the play but remount the play in Los Angeles and let all our friends see it. So three or four months in now into, we, we did the play six months later, we went back and started rehearsal and I started rehearsal three months into men's work now. So there was a break, same part, same play. And I remember in the summer of 2014, I said the line, I can take care of you, Lainey, right? It was like, I can, right? Like, please, right? There was this, this disempowered, it was like all about vulnerability and it was all about, and the first rehearsal back, the director, it was this amazing moment and this, this wonderful, wonderful actress named Leila Ed and the, the director's name's Eric Honeycutt. And in the first rehearsal back, I, I, I leaned back and my voice was dropped in and I got real, quiet and I looked right in the eyes in the rehearsal and I said I can take care of you Lainey and boom tears went down her eyes in that moment she was like she goes that was the first time I believed you mm. and we had run that play forever so it was the same line and I see this in, with men and I do men's work and I also do, do voice work that they get the the David Data language or the John Wineland language, which is beautiful language. But then they try to, to regurgitate those words, but it has an access through their system. There's enough space. There's no room in their heart. There's not enough breath in their belly. There's not enough articulation and eye contact and groundedness. And so when I said those lines, just like any other lines, they came with, they came with cavalry. Mm. It had history. My ancestors were in that, that, was, that one line had impact. It had power, it had intent. It was, it was dripping with meaning as opposed to a recitation. So part of, so it's, it, yes, it, you know, it's been interesting that I started in voice work and then I found men's work. And then those two things have been this ever flowing infinity together but a huge part of my men's work now, and I'm launching a men's group, a sold out men's group next week, is how they can show up in the world and really speak from their balls and their heart together. And I see, I don't know, why are you, you know, you see guys and they're like, I don't, they're talking up here, even if they've read all the books. 
And the voice to me is, is the way that the words, that wonderful uh, writing and education and teachings can then be their own art and their own transmission. Yeah, man, I mean, hearing you talk about that is, um, reminds me of our time working together and, and our time um, with John. Sadly, during the pandemic, we're reduced to Zoom, but mm. it's okay. So, but for, so for for men out there that aren't in the realm of acting, mm. and you've worked a lot with actors, but you've worked a lot with business professionals too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, where's the like? As 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 you know, there's got to be a payoff. Like, why why should a man out there who's not in this in the realm of acting spend even a single second thinking about their voice? I mean, oh God, I, I, I mean, how, how much time do we have? You know, essentially, I'll tell you the, the, an interesting story. Um, my dad is a litigator, he's a lawyer. Um, very good, very, very, very talented attorney. And I know I'm biased, but he, he is. And my grandfather was also an attorney. And my great-grandfather was also an attorney. I was supposed to be a lawyer. My dad, I will always remember this. He, he said, my grandfather had the, his biggest rival. They would win, one would win and the other would win these court cases. And my grandfather, the guy that was the thorn in his side, that was his rival in Illinois, um, was a lawyer, but he was a trained actor. And the gift of speech is beyond just acting. I mean, we could say, you know, Martin Luther King, I have a dream. Uh, JFK, um, it's not what your country can do for you to um, Churchill, you know, we'll, we'll meet them in the fields. We'll that the gift of oration, my, my voice teacher, my uh, other voice teacher, Stuart Pierce was Margaret Thatcher's voice teacher. Mm. And he, and I know she may have had others, but um, he said, we made her uninterruptible. So in the 80s, 70s, 80s, in London, in the House of Commons, this woman with this shrill voice up here could command that and, and could, as a woman surrounded by men owned that space. So that's the, the world of oration, politics, law. I mean, right now, I mean, those that watch the unfortunate uh, United States presidential debate, just screaming at each other. No one's listening. Everyone was so angry, as opposed to whether you're right or left. I, I, I've, I, I won't share my politics here. But being able to, I was what my dad said, he goes, I, I love a great argument. I love a great argument. It, it, and we're so sensitive now that if I disagree with you, then you're a jerk. But the gift of speech is to be able to influence. It's to, it's to, it's to be able to advocate for something. It's to be able to advocate for um, the less fortunate, for, for legislation, to, uh, for a therapist. Uh, a therapist will do NLP with their, or do mirroring with their, with their patient. Are they gonna yell at their patient? Are they gonna talk at their patient? No, great vocal work, you will shift to, Maybe that that your your patient is a visual learner, and then you'll 
use your voice in a way that uses, do you see what I mean? Can you picture this? Or their, their audio, like, oh, I, I like the sound of that. Uh, do you hear what I mean? So we live in a world where, yes, the written word is beautiful. I love the written word. Um, but what's, what's my, my Angelos quote? They won't remember what you said. They'll remember how you made them feel. So for those of you out there, whether they're, um, you know, they don't have to be artists, but I bet everyone has an artist within them. And that is just being able to convey their internal world in, a, in the, the you know, the defined language we're using English to be able to share my heart. And really all I can do, unless we're mimes, I got to use my voice. I mean, we can play Pictionary if you want, or charades if you want to communicate with me. But 99% of what's coming through, even uh, what are you what are you doing? It's a podcast. You have a podcast. What do you use on your podcast but your voice? And then to, to so I think it's completely small-minded to think that we are not artists of our own ideas mm. and that we wouldn't want to cultivate how to use language and how to uh, be able to transmit our ideas in a deeper, more exciting and an inspired way. It, it does make a lot of sense when you put it that way. Um, when you're, when you are working with your clients, mm -hmm. I'm thinking especially of, of men, but um, mm. you know, I'm, I'm wondering, what do you hear? Let's see. Yeah. Cause I was going to say, what do you see, but what do you hear? that that gives you the indication that someone is not in their body or someone is is has not connected to their voice or maybe won't be able to to narrate their own ideas in a way that inspires people hmm. tension hmm. i can feel the tension they're not breathing it's a huge john wineland thing he's always talking about breath and to breathe so tension absorbs vibration relaxation is a conductor so i can completely tell when i first start working especially with a man when they're tight if they're tight they're usually not in their voice they're not in their feelings they're 99 of the time they're in their head but if they're softer their shoulders are back their heart is open they're breathing they're more than likely going to be in their voice that's just a feel. I can, I can just tell how clenched and so many men are clenched. Even their exercise isn't usually something that opens them. It's usually, you know, weights or something very yang. So I always work with men to have a nice balance of some nice masculine work, you know, chopping axes and boxing and things like that with also Feldenkrais, Alexander technique, yin yoga, to open the body. We want to strengthen the body, but we also want to open the body. And most men don't want to open. They don't want to feel We're because we've been taught not to feel. We've been told toughen up, don't cry. So we cut off ourselves from our hearts. A lot of military and then in military, I've had a few, um, even in their stances, they're taught to have their heart disconnected from their, their hips. So they can just, just, 
you know, be trained and not question authority and be, you know, just in, they can be cut off from their primal instinct. So they can be not controlled. I don't want to get political here, but uh, they don't want them to be emotional. Whereas at least in my, in my view of the world of leadership, it's actually what people are craving the most mm. in particular from their, from men, because we are, we tend to be so cut off from it. So mm. you talked about how voice can be that access point to feeling. Mm. How did that happen for you? And, and like, what's, what's that all about? For, for guys out there that are curious if this might be a modality. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm an anomaly. I'm an anomaly um, in regards to say the masculine world. I, I was very much more in touch with my feminine. Um, Meaning, up. sorry, just, just, for the, just for the audience, just, you know, the archetypes are fairly common, but when you're talking about masculine, feminine, maybe just give us- I was more emotional. Okay. I was more emotional, volatile, reactive, I was, you know, child of an alcoholic home, you know, was this a theater major, you know, went to school. So I was all about the feeling. So I was already kind of in my heart. Um, and so I came to men's work to integrate that so I could be able to show up for myself and be consistent and have a job and pay my bills and you know, not blow up my life. <laughs> anyway, sobriety for me helped me with that quite a bit as well, that structure. Um, but what's been so beautiful in the last couple of years, especially, is being able to be fierce, fierce in my life and, 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 and directed and loving and knowing when one needs to come forth more than the other to be protective, maybe I'm more fierce, or say somebody is, is really going through a hard time, I can be more loving. So I can, I can be both and I can choose which one. And just by feeling a client or a partner that which one is needed more. I'm probably not with my one and a half year old, I'm probably not gonna be very fierce towards him, <laughs> right? As he becomes a teenager, I'm sure there's been gonna be a couple moments where we're gonna be like, you know, laying down the law. Um, and sometimes with clients, like I, it's funny, they can say that I can be a little tough. And they're like, hey, you're a little tough. And I went, how, how interesting this is. I've come full circle because usually for decades, it's been, you know, you're too soft. And so we're constantly working on that, but to be able to, I don't know if you've heard this, but they say that most men, we vacillate between being really serious and goofy. Yes. Most men are serious or goofy. And we really, both of those don't feel very good. It's really being able to blend, you know, a lightheartedness uh, and artistry to meaningful purpose and, and, and being sincere in what we're doing. So some men, a lot of the men I work with have started more in the masculine where they've just been, I have this one guy in Australia right now and he, he was military. He's very cut off from his heart. And then he worked with a, a, a female teacher so he got really, really feminine and he's completely cut off the warrior. And so our work together is to integrate both. 
and we, you know this from the workshops, right? With John, he's amazing. Yeah. More warrior, more lover. More warrior, more lover. And it is a very hard thing to achieve as a man to be both. And that's what the feminine or woman, or say you're, say you're a heterosexual woman, um, if you're a heterosexual male, that's what they desire. They don't want some droopy, drippy, just romantic, and they don't want a, you know, a fence post or abuser, you know, they want this, the killer mixed with this sensitive lover. And that to me is, 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 the, is the point of the work, that it's not all or nothing, that there, we hit to a point as we get advanced, the nuance of that. And then knowing in a moment what that, that moment needs, it might need a little bit more warrior in that moment. It might need a little bit more lover or king or magician. These are these archetypes that we use. And those have different tones. Maybe the voice will come lower and more direct or it'd be more soothing and from more of the throat and the heart. And that's a way to open the moment. And so, so this, there's a sound current though, it sounds yes. like with, with each of these. Yes. Um, I, wanna, I wanna talk about the fence post for a second because mm. This is the archetype that I come across most often in, in the corporate world, um, especially as, as you move up in organizations. I mean, I'm, I'm primarily working with executives and CEOs. The, there's a lot of the fence post. And uh, to be, I mean, to be quite frank, I don't think it necessarily is a gender issue per se, but because there are just way more men in, in the corporate world than there are women, at least in North America, um, the, the fence post is like the most common archetype. You come across mm. someone, this person's a fence post, but the, there's a real reluctance to let go of that. And I'm, I'm curious how, you know, how voice or, you know, the work that you do might be a way to, to help people move past it. Because Stop the, taking I, yourself yeah. so fucking seriously. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, let's get some perspective here. And that's, you know, the, uh, you know, not to go too deep into this too fast, but we're all going to die. Right. And at the end of the day, and then under deathbed stuff, is it, I made this much money? Is it that, um, you know, quarterly, I was the best one when I'm dying and saying goodbye to, you know, my children. Or is it going to be, I wish I did, I wish I kept up with old friends. I wish I followed my passion. I mean, there's, I think there was a, oh, who's this nurse? She wrote down and she had this whole gift, uh, the gift from the dying, the gifts that they, the regrets of the dying. And there's not many fence posts that I think are really happy being fence posts, but they feel pressure, they feel obligated, they feel like there's something that has to be done. So to me, can I get them to do a little improvisation? Can I get them to use an exciting ecstatic word? Can I get them to, to, to recite a, a one phrase of poetry? Can I get them to go to go and just see what happens to their like, oh, okay, that fence post all of a sudden they're like, this infectious smile comes onto their face. And especially some of these, the corporate world, a lot of them are salesmen. And 
are they showing up in this transmission and you know are they becoming magnetic my, my, my wonderful voice teacher Stuart Pierce he calls it the magnetic voice how do how do we use our tongue our lips and our sound to to inspire others to um, create language that that gets people to follow instead of tune out how many Bueller's from Ferris Bueller's Day Off right yeah. Bueller 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 how many of those are out there and you get them to uh, just open up just a little bit. It brings, it's like, it's a like cracking in some sunlight into their life because they are, because they, they don't come to me to help them be better at business. They, I trust that they know what they're doing with their business. And if they want to work with a business coach, work with a business coach. I get them to just, you know, unclench their asshole a little bit. <laughs> Sorry for the language, but just, Relax. Okay. We're, we're already on the um, explicit ratings and I've, and I've, yeah, I had an entire episode on facing death. So we're, you know, we're well in the realms of the, but, right, but I'm like, it's just like, what, what, what are you holding on so tight for that? Can you have, there's this great thing. I think it was on Facebook actually, that was sent and they said, give yourself a number, a number in, this is really interesting. It called me out. What do you give your number in health, uh, exercise, friendships, family, business, money. Um, and the last one that was, and I was like, oh, I'm eight, nine, 10. I'm this superior man. And da, da, da. granted, this is during the pandemic. And the last number, the last part of the graph was fun. And I realized I had to give myself a four. And that changed me. I went, wow, why am I taking this all so seriously? I need some fun and I need to, yes, change my language you know, ask for what I want. That's a huge voice thing to be able to say, hey, can I get a two days this week for my family to go to an island in, you know, the British Columbia so I can go road biking. Like being able to ask for what we want so I can have some fun, I can have some play. Those fence posts usually don't have, um, they don't feel like they have permission to ask for what they want. And they wouldn't even know a good time if it's, it's sat on their head. But being able to get them in their body, they in an opening and, and even if just getting a little bit of the artistry, they might start asking for more of that. So, uh, well, I hope so. I mean, I come I come across it a lot. I think it's a tickle them. It's a beautiful. <laughs> I'll do a zoom. Yeah, we'll do zoom zoom based tickling. Um, yeah. <laughs> They got we they got to invent an app for that for Zoom Zoom tickling. Um, yeah. The Zoom chair will be coming to a to a desk near you. So you you have you've really married up a couple things that we've talked a lot about voice mm. in this this first part of the conversation. But you have been not only involved in as a student but teaching men's work and and you now have a you're launching um, a what looks to be an incredible men's program in the next mm. week. Mm. What's the, what's the flavor of men's work that, that you want to bring into the world? Oh, that's such a sweet question. Um, I want to help men rekindle their creativity mm. and 
for me, there, I'm actually doing the artist way. You and I are doing the artist way right now. Yeah. And there was this really interesting part of the first chapter, uh, give a shout out to Julia Cameron, um, that our beliefs around artists, that they're drunks, that they're low lives, that they're undependable. Un 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 and like all of the things that I, I, I read in the, the previous views of artists, I was like, oh my God, I'm all of these things. I've been all of these things, or at least I thought of myself as all of these things. And because of men's work, the other side of the graph was artists can be sober and fun and healthy and have families and have a full life and they can have it all. And I, almost every man I know has an unrequited dream that they wish that they had the, the, the balls to follow usually they're like, oh, I can't be an actor because I have to provide for my family. I, my dad wanted to be a photographer. He's a brilliant photographer. He, he did it as a hobby, but I knew that he could have done that for his, his job. Um, there's, you know, there's, as an actor, when I do, there's so many people like, I could have done that. Uh, it's wonderful man, Sam Morris, like was talking about acting and it, he's like, I did a play once. And every time I see somebody talk about when they were in their band or they did a play or they did a film, John Shushek was in Starship Troopers. Like every time I see these guys, a lot of the men in the men's group, when they would come to say my voice class and do Shakespeare, they're lit up. They're like, oh my God, people are applauding me. Sacred theater. Like the men never have more fun. And if like, you see such a transformation when you see men do their sacred theater. Just, just for my listeners, Jamie's talking about uh, uh, one of the one of the most loved and feared activities of a John Lennon <laughs> workshop, where you get up in front of a room and act out your you know most taboo intimacy scene in front of a group of strangers. They call it sacred theater. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and I uh, that was always my favorite, and everyone was always trying to get me as their you know like, will you coach me on this thing? And I'm like, oh, now you want me to coach you because we're putting <laughs> up a play. Um, so, but what I want to bring, and this is what my seven month uh, men's group is going to be, is really taking stock of our life, finding our structure, finding our blocks, and then clearing those blocks, and then visualizing what we want. And then by the end of the seven months, the thing that you've been procrastinating on for maybe a year or your whole life will come to fruition. So maybe it's the book you haven't written. Maybe it's the sculpture you, you haven't sculpted. Maybe it's the painting. Maybe it's your own program that the most lit up I see the men in my life is when they've accomplished something. I built like uh, Amir built his, uh, he built his office, his little, on his, on his property. Like, oh, the feeling of like, I made a thing. And to, to, to tally that with actual coaching and, and daily practice, you know, and again, like we'll, we'll finish our programs and we'll do our things and we'll look at it and we'll, you know, be like Alexander the Great after we've conquered something and go, that's it. But I love, there's, there's nothing that to my, when I look back on my life, the, 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 the happiest times of my life is when I've made something, a play that I've put up, a film that I, I created or something I acted in. 
And those years were filled with these highlights of collaboration and support and not just integrity, not just, you know, like doing deep work, but holding each other to put something, make something and birth something beautiful into the world. That's what my men's group is going to be about. I really like that as a, it's a different flavor. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, there's a lot of men's work kind of options out there. And I'm, I'm speaking primarily about the Western world. I mean, there, there are you know, thousands of other kinds of men's work and different traditions are going to have different men's work, but I'm talking primarily about, you know, kind of group-based Western talk, talk-based mm. men's group. And so I know from having worked with you, you're not, um, you're not long for talk-based, let's talk about all of our shit kind of men's groups. No. So um, how, like, how do you get a person, how, especially how do, how do we get men to a place where they can create without just sitting around in a room and talking about shit all the time? Structure. Mm. Structure, 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 structure. Um, I like timing people. They get a certain amount of time. Um, I like there being a theme of the evening uh, or the, of the time that we are together. Um, I like speaking about solutions more than the problems. Um, but it's, I, I, I really think, I mean, John does this. I mean, I've really only worked with John of, of an actual, and then David Data a bit. Um, but he's living his purpose. When you walk the walk and you're talking the talk, you just feel it. You can feel when somebody's hijacking the room. You, and that's what a great teacher does. You go, no, sorry. Some might have to tell somebody to shut up. And usually the rest of the group is like, thank you. Sometimes you open it up to the peanut gallery. You get feedback. But to me, it's, it's up to the teacher and the assistant. To, and, and that's why at the end of these workshops that you and I do, um, the assistants go in the middle of the room and they get a huge standing ovation as holding that space. If somebody loses it, the assistant can kind of go over and hold them through their opening. Um, but I think that just comes from a really great teacher that can feel the space and feel the room. Because if we're just talking about shit, like you can feel the energy in the space go down as opposed to somebody making a breakthrough, somebody moving out. Like if somebody's like complaining too much, I'll just be like third stage it. You can come back, but you first need to do one minute of, of a haka, get, get it out of here, get in your body. Now come down and sit down. And then they'll be like, all right, so continue. I don't even remember what I was saying. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a, that, takes, that, takes, that takes the art, that takes the feeling in the moment as the teacher to keep the train running. And maybe one out of a hundred times, you may have to stop. Maybe somebody's dealing with the death of a parent or maybe somebody's really had a trauma come up. But for the most part, to me, we keep the train moving. Yeah, it's, uh, it is, it's an art. It's an art form that you know, you've, definitely, you've definitely cultivated over the years. Now, when when you, you know you talk about the haka, 
I yeah. had this, yeah. this kind of image of, man, wouldn't it be cool if people at work could do that? There's so many work situations where like the, the room just needs a haka. Like it needs mm. something just to get the room out of the kind of, out of the spin cycle or the, this kind of heady conversation into like what's real. Mm. Um, so when you're, when, but when you are working with, with men in this group, how do you integrate voice into it? I don't know yet. I haven't done it. <laughs> it I just know it will happen. Um, though there'll definitely be warm ups, there will definitely be practices overall, but mostly it will come from the feel that somebody will be in their head and I'll get them to breathe, I will get them to will co-create a way to, to get them in their heart and their sound and a growl or, or an opening, get them to hit their chest. Um, we'll feel where the, the block is. And then what'll be interesting is that the rest of the people in this, because I teach this in the voice course, mm -hmm. um, the rest of the group, even over Zoom will say, do you feel the difference in him? Do you feel him going, I can take care of you, Lainey, right? And I can take care of you, Lainey. What did that make you feel? What was that like? And then that person gets the impact of what their voice did when they said the line that way, or they said what they wanted to say that way. And they said it in a way where they're dropped in, they're breathing, they're grounded. It's, it's at this point, as a voice teacher, it's so much a part of everything I do that probably the whole seven months is going to be a voice workshop. It, it can't not be with Jamie, if anyone's wondering. I talk, <laughs> I talk to the guy on a, on a weekly basis and it ends up turning into some kind of voice lesson. I'm sure I'll get one after this podcast. <laughs> Just um, tell me to shut up. That's, no, man, I, that's, that's the point. The more I'm talking in my own podcast, the worse it is. So... So, um, I, you know, I lead a men's group here as well. I'm, you know, following in the, in the, in the footsteps of, of giants or standing on the shoulders of giants, as it were, in the work of John and Data, uh, David Data. But um, I consider myself to be, to be a, on, on the pioneering edge of, of what is a new form of men's work. Mm. And which is really around getting us you know, the me too, getting us into our bodies, into our hearts and out of the heady stuff. Mm. And I, you know, I, I see you in that too. I, you know, I see you leading the, this as well. And what I'm, what I'm constantly looking at is like, what is, what's the planet needing for men? Like, I'm, I don't want to deliver on something that just because it's a, it seems like a cool idea or I heard about it from from John, but also tapping into like, what's the planet actually need from the men that li are living on it right now? Do what they say they're going to do. <laughs> and knowing the, the and then twofold, knowing the right thing to say. First of all, listening of what is being said. First, first let's start there. First, listening to what is of the unheard of those who haven't spoken and really listening then being part of a restorative 
language and solution that is all inclusive, inclusive, uh, including um, inclusive. It's an all inclusive way that um, inspires. Then finding a plan uh, of moving forward, saying and promising that they will follow that plan and then following that fucking plan. I'm going to do this. It's like, that's why, why do people hate politicians? I'm making these promises. I promise, I promise, I promise. And they don't fulfill their promises. That's why people hate politicians because they don't do what they say they're going to do or at least try. I mean, I give, uh, I won't go into politics, but you know, at, at, for the most part with Obama, what I saw was he tried to do those things. Didn't mean that there was an opposition that stopped him, but he still tried to do the things he said he would do. Um, not whether you like Obama or not, that's not the point. The point is, from my experience, I trust people that do their best to follow the intention that they laid out. That to me, that is a heart-centered, loving, fierce plan moving forward and then doing it. That's the hardest thing in the world to do. It really is. It's, I mean, it's simple, but it's so not easy. I'm doing the artist way and I'm supposed to do the morning pages and the third day in a row, I'm like, I said I was gonna do this, but I wanna sleep in. I wanna sleep in. Nope, nope, get up, get up, do those three pages. That is what changes men's lives. I said, I'm gonna do this. It's gonna be the, I've never finished the artist way. It's 12 weeks. We have it planned to the end of the year and not miss a day because I said I would. That changes the, a, a masculine nervous system. And then it just permeates their whole life. They'll make more money. They'll open their partner more. They'll be a better parent. They'll be better in the world. Though this work, I, I mean, this is so funny about my men's, my, I launched my first men's program. And obviously I was mostly an acting coach for years. And I've, you know, coached people one-on-one -on -one and all of that. During the pandemic, I said, it's time for me to step up and do men's work and, and teach it. I didn't pay for one ad. I didn't do anything other than some Instagram. And I worked with my business partner, Lissandra Vasquez, who's amazing, so, so amazing. And I just did some images and it sold out. And I'm telling you the reason why it sold out and the reason why I know it's going to succeed is not because of some magic potion, but because I have been working on my integrity. I've stepped that up for the past six months. I step up, I practice all the practices that I'm gonna give. I'm living and walking the walk of the things that I wanna transmit. That's what men need to do on the planet. Because what, what, what happens on New Year's, right? What happens on New Year's? <laughs> what do we say? What do we say? We're gonna go to the gym, right? Yeah. We're gonna go to the gym. Gym memberships, boom, in, in January. What happens in February or March? They stop going. Nothing's happening. Right. So nothing's happening. So, so what I did during the pandemic, there was a, a really, a, one of my best friends, Ryan Geis, he, he lives close to me. And I said, it was in April, I was getting a little pudgy. And I said, Ryan, show up at my house Monday through Saturday, 8.30 a.m. every day. And he's come 
virtually 90% of those days. If not, I've worked out on my own or we've done it over Zoom for whatever reason. And I lost 25 pounds. I didn't lose 25 pounds that next week. I could, if I lose what I'm doing, I could go off the rails again. But it's because I showed up every single day and did that thing. Something so simple. It takes 30 days to break a habit and 90 days to build a lifestyle. So to me, whether it's women or men, but masculine work is really about consistency. And even when I don't want to, even when I don't feel well, even when I'm like, oh, no, no, no. And showing up and husbanding my own feminine to, to, to do my best today. If you get 120, 150, you know, 210 of those days in a row, what do you think is going to happen to your self-esteem? Your confidence, your life, your sex. That's what I want to give men in the world, that, that there's other men that will hold them accountable, especially when they want to quit towards their big goal. Yeah. And because you've got that, that possibility of creating something that you've either always wanted to, or as you said, it could just be a dream you've had for a year. There's some real skin in the game for them around the integrity. Well, and then we all have our shit. We all have our patterns. Oh, I don't want to. Oh, I want that cookie or oh, blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, we slip, but then we're back on it. We're back on it. We're back moving forward. We're back on, you know, keeping our eyes on that prize and, and being able to stop and appreciate the moment. That's our hearts. That's being in this, you know, but being able to, it was funny. I just coached somebody, uh, an actress I hadn't worked with in about eight months because of the pandemic. I was putting her on tape for an audition and I walked in and she had her light set up and she went, oh my God, you look amazing. She's like, you look so different. You, you know, I've been working with this health coach and been doing all of these things, my diet, all, all of it. I went into the, the laboratory and I'm on my way out. I don't see my, I see myself every day. So I can't see the transformation so much. I almost need pictures or something. And it was so nice to kind of get that blip of a feedback of this is why I showed up every single day. And that to me is that men don't, we don't reach out to other men for help. Hey, I need help with my voice. I need help with my accounting. I need help with uh, you know, putting me on tape for an audition. I, I need help with my health. And having a men's group, there's all these you know, amazing men that have all these talents. Oh, I do headshots. I could take pictures for you. Oh, I'm an accountant or I'm a, pu I'm a, a public organizer. And we're in, a, we're, we're, we're a tribe. I don't know if I'm allowed to use that word anymore, but for lack of a better term, and we're in the circle. And I think that that's what's, you know, we've lost that. And that's what's been around in cultures for thousands and thousands of years. They had a tribe, they've had their council. We need that. Yeah, I mean, I can speak to the power of it from, from having been part of one um, and still, you know, still being part of a, well, more than one now. Um, but it's a, you said something as you were talking about this idea of consistency mm. around showing up in the world as a reflection of, of your purpose mm. that you want to, or the, or the mission that you have on the planet. And 
it got me thinking about a thing that you and I have both worked on together, but uh, around embodiment. And I teach this, I know you teach this, and you, you ran a workshop on it with another mutual friend of ours, Madeline Moon, last mm -hmm. year. And I'm, I, I somehow struggle to explain it, but I, I'm, I'm wondering if you could, if for, my, for the listener's benefit, give, give them kind of a flavor of like, what, is, what does embodiment mean? And, and why, like, why, would, why does this matter in the world right now? I mean, I think it's related, but just to really tie that in, because this word gets bandied, gets bandied around a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, to me, this is my term of it. Yeah. Embodiment is the confluence of four bodies, five bodies, sorry, five bodies. It's a confluence of five bodies into one concert. And that is my mental body, my emotional body, my physical body, my energetic body, and my spiritual body. If you, spiritual doesn't work for you, my universal body, the, you know, gravity, things like that, the, the, the physics that keep us here. So when we're in our heads, we're, it's not that we're disembodied, we're, we're in our mental body. And when we're a crying puddle on the floor, you know, we're in our, we're in our emotional body, that's fine. I mean, they're, they're all fine. When we're might be just running in a marathon, we're in our, you know, physical, maybe our energetic body. Uh, when we're praying, meditating, we're sort of in our, our spiritual body, energetic body. The real power of when we show up is when all five of those are turned on and alive. So I'm here with you on this podcast. I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not um, looking out the window. I'm not else. I'm not in the future. I'm not in the past. I'm here mentally. I'm here emotionally. Definitely here physically, breathing. I'm aware of my senses breathing so i'm in my energetic body i feel the energy is contained within myself and spiritual body i feel like gravity still working i have i believe in god i have my own version of god and i have my own higher power so i'm tethered to that consciousness of that all five of those things are here and they can continue to be sharpened and honed so when we're at a john wineland workshop and we're doing the polarity practice and you know more more warrior more lover something like that we're opening up even more body and more energy and that energy opens us up so we open up emotionally we open up physically and then that especially this is a huge part of john's work is great sex is great intimacy but if we're in our heads and we're you know texting on our phone while we're having, you know having sex we're disembodied and so how I, when I start working with somebody, I'm like, all right, bring your mental body here. Bring your thoughts here. Not in, in the past, not in the future, bring your thoughts here. Maybe look at things in the space. Look at the salt lamp, the Shiva, the, the, the paintings, like name things in the room. I feel the fan right now. Um, so my, my, I'm in my physical body. I'm feeling the chair. <sighs> oh, my mental body's here. In my energetic body, I'm not, my son isn't crying where I'm like, oh, maybe I need to be out there. No, I'm here. He's taken care of. Our nanny's here. So that when I show up, I'm showing up as those five things. 
So that's my version of embodiment. So are your five bodies online at this moment? And, and it can't happen. We can't be embodied all the time. We'd go crazy. It'd be crazy. Yeah, it feels like you like having your pedal to, pedal to the metal all the time. Yeah, when I'm watching Netflix or I'm watching the game, I'm not like watching the game, the football game and chi generator. Like, I mean, I guess I can, but watching Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. When you're binge watching Arrested Development for the 18th time. But I better be when I'm working with a client. I better be when I'm, I'm intimate with my partner. I better be when I'm assisting John Wineland at a workshop. I better be noticing if the, the the flags are off or if there's a water bottle there or if somebody's crying or a tissue, like I am like 10 hours of boom, being on. And that's how you get to assisting. And that, that's where you really hone the embodiment is, is being able to hold that space. I, I really love the way you've outlined that. I've actually never heard you say that in quite that way before, but it, when I, like when I think about what the planet is needing from men right now, that's your distillation of embodiment is, I, is as close as I could get to describing what the planet's asking mm. for, which is to, for men to bring all their systems online. Mm. Not all the time, don't worry guys, um, but to have access to all of them. And know when it's off. Yeah. Know when they're like, wow, I'm up here. I got, I got in an argument with somebody recently and he was like yelling at me like this. I'm like, dude, I know you're not connected because you're screaming at me from your head. Drop in. You're not in your heart. You're not in your feeling. You're spinning out. You're triggered, right? So if you're triggered, you're in your past. You're in your past trauma. So being able, David Data talks about it, like we can't move from the, again, this is for a podcast, but I can't get so if somebody's triggered, you, you can't just like tickle them or make them laugh. You want to bring them back to the present moment first, like give them a nice cup of tea, have like touch the, the, the tea, feel the heat, sip, taste, get them here. So we first need to help. First and foremost is get men to just be present. That's, that's, that's a Herculean task in and of itself with our phones and our distractions these days and the politics these days. Um, yeah. So first is getting men present. Well, that might be a good place to start. I mean, we've talked about some, some advanced practice I would say today. So if, if there are men out there who are freaked out or maybe inspired, where's the, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are entry points abound. I mean, your entry point's very different than mine, but if someone's interested in this kind of experience of bringing all their bodies online or connecting to their voice or showing mm. up in, in a way that is, is intentional in, in their world, where's, where do you think a nice jumping off point is for a guy? I, I read the way of the superior man. Yeah. That was how I started. Uh, Robert Glover's No More Mr. Nice Guy is another great one. Uh, Robert Bly's uh, Iron John. It's a little bit more grim fairy tale. It's more of a you know, more of a story. Mm, I love that book. Um, I would just start with the way of the pyramid. That book. When I read that book, I was it blew my mind. It still blows my mind. And that, I read it ten years ago. And that, you know, listen to John Wineland's. Um, 
his videos, David Data as well. Um, especially now that we're in COVID, there's much more affordable embodiment workshops that we can do from the comfort of our own home. Yeah, um, that's true. I, I know Justin Pierce in London do some really great work. Amir, I love Amir. He has his masculine embodiment. He has a Wednesday night, uh, pay what you can uh, group from six to eight. It's fantastic. I go the majority of the time. And I've, I think I've brought like 10 men to that group to work with him. Um, that's a lot right there. That's a lot of, of, of avenues. Um, the Mankind Project. I would also see the documentary, The Work, mm -hmm. um, which is 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's a real, about the, the Mankind Project in Folsom Prison. That is a beautiful documentary. Um, and since, and since you're not going to mention it because you're too modest, where should people go if they listen to this podcast and want to work with you? JamieWalrab.com. Uh, it's, it's, uh, um, email me there. There's a spot to email me. I'm doing a voice workshop beginning in November into December, which is going to have a final day of performance. So I've, I'm doing it a little differently this year where there's going to be Friday, two hours, and then, and in December on the 19th, there's going to be an all day workshop of performance, which are I'm you going to be launching? Are you going to be launching more in, in January? Cause this episode is not going to air until the next year. Oh yeah. yeah. I'll be uh, Madeline moon. And I will be doing um, uh, a polarity agility workshop about mm. how the mask, how men can be in their feminine and how women can be in their masculine in a healthy way to help support one another. Um, I will be doing um, an acting workshop in the spring. Um, and then there's private work. I do packages that, that last for about nine months. And yeah, I'm very, very, very passionate about my one-on-one -on -one work right now. That's where a lot of my attention is because my, uh, my plate is full in programs. Yeah, it sounds like it, man. And if, if any, for anyone out there who, <laughs> who's wanting to work with Jamie one-on-one, -on -one, having, having sampled the goods, um, you're, you're in for a treat. <laughs> you poor thing. Part. You did a, you did a physical, you did yeah, a body did work some, session with me back yeah. in the day. Yeah. A couple of them. So, um, <laughs> but be beautiful releases and, and a real, um, really edgy for me. And, and so I can't say enough about your, about your great work. I'm really excited about your, you really being on this, this cutting edge if, as it were of, of men's work and helping define the future of men's work. Um, I will link up everything that you talked about sure. in our show notes and, um, and thank you, man. Thanks for being on the, on the men at work podcast. Thanks for bringing your, your wisdom and for sharing your story. Oh, you do. This is great. Voice embodiment and men's work. Who thought we'd be having that conversation when the way of the superior man was written. About <laughs> mm. you, my friend. All right, man. Thanks. Um, you got it. And uh, I will see you. I will see you on Zoom in the very near future. There you have it. That was Jamie Woolrab. All of his links are in the show notes. Uh, he's an easy person to find online for sure. And if you are interested in doing any of his programming, I highly recommend it. It's at a great price point, especially now that he's doing a lot of it virtually. So you can do it from anywhere on the planet as long as you've got internet. So that's it for the show. 
If you enjoyed the show, I always ask, but I just I love to get your feedback. You can do it on my website directly. And if you would like to leave a rating for me on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast, it really helps me out. So thank you, and we'll see you next time for episode number four.